obligation of calling to khair upon the ummah. The obligation of calling to goodness upon who? The entire Muslim ummah. And remember that this is in some situations fard kifaya and in other situations fard ayn. What does fard kifaya mean? That if some people do it from the community, it's sufficient. And what does fard ayn mean? That it's important for every individual to do it. Okay? Like for example, salatul janaza. Does everyone have to pray that? No. If some people do, that's sufficient. But when it comes to the five daily prayers, then it's fard ayn. Likewise, Amr bil ma'roof, nahiyan al munkar, yad'una ilal khayr. This is sometimes fard kifaya, meaning it's sufficient that some people are doing it. And in other situations, it is fard ayn. When is it fard ayn? When the wrong is being done in front of you, and you have the ability to stop. Or someone is not doing good, and you have the ability to tell them, then it's an obligation on you. Alright? Then we also learn about the importance of ikhlas. About the importance of sincerity. Because Allah says, يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ They must call to goodness, not to themselves. Calling to what? Goodness, not to themselves. When you're calling people to goodness, what personal gain can you get? Nothing. So who will strive to call people to the deen, to that which is good? Someone who is really sincere. Someone who is really honest. يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ and the one who calls to himself does not like opposition. Right? And the fact is that when you're calling people to goodness, will you suffer from opposition? Yes, many times. Will you suffer from criticism? Many times. So, ikhlas has to be there. Because if there is ikhlas, then you'll be able to tolerate the criticism of others. Then we also learn about the importance of being on good oneself and also calling others to it. That we should do good ourselves and also call other people to goodness. Meaning, be on justice, stand up for justice, spread awareness. All of this is khair. Do it yourself and also call others to it. Then we also learn that since we have to call people to goodness, then that means that the means that are adopted to call people to goodness should also be good. Alright? So, for example, a person should not lie in order to call people to the truth. She's mentioning that long time ago she saw once that a man was dragging a child towards the water and she thought that, you know, father or son are just playing. So she ignored. And then the next morning, the police came knocking at the door and asked, you know, something had been seen because that child had been choked to death and drowned basically in water. And she said that since then, she has become so careful that anytime she sees something wrong, she questions, she asks, to, in order to stop the wrong from happening. And she said recently, she saw two people fighting, running after each other around a car. And you know, so she stopped the car, and her husband and her, both of them, they resolved the situation for those two people. So alhamdulillah, this is a blessing from Allah. But when we see something wrong, then we have to stand up. We have to rise up. We cannot remain silent over there. Because innocent people can be hurt. Right? So it's a responsibility of the Muslim Ummah to be alert, conscious individuals who are not selfish, but who are also concerned about others. Then we also learn from these ayat about the obligation of Amr bin Ma'roof and Nahi anil Munkar. It is also important to do this.
And again, it depends on the situation. If a person is alone and sees something wrong being done, then he has to stop it if he has the capacity to do so. And if there is a group of people, something wrong is being done and people are already stopping, then you don't have to stop. Okay, because then you may create more of attention and the situation can worsen basically. So if people are handling the situation, then you don't have to go in. You can't say, oh, it's for the on me, I have to stop the wrong too. No, three people are already stopping, you don't have to. Uh, participate in that like it happens that if you know if a youth is being advised by some adults then what happens that every uncle and auntie who passes by you know they also start commenting and giving advice please if their parents are talking to them let them talk to them don't interfere in every conversation right then these ayat also teach us about the importance of learning when can you call to khair if you don't know khair you can't How can you command that which is right if you don't know what is right? How can you stop that which is wrong if you don't know what is wrong? So it teaches us about the importance of learning. You have to learn so that you can implement this ayah. So that you can be of the muflihun. Now, as mentioned earlier, there are some conditions and there are some etiquette of amr bil ma'roof and nahi anil munkar. What are the conditions? Meaning, every random person cannot go on telling people to do right and every random person cannot go on stopping people from doing wrong. You know, for example, if there is a stranger, somebody whom you've seen for the first time, and let's say they're not wearing hijab, please, don't tell them you should wear your hijab, otherwise you're sinful. Don't tell them like that. Don't speak to them like that. Somebody walks into a masjid, somebody is sitting in a classroom, trying to learn something, and you know, with our stares and our horrified look, that how could you sit here in this manner? Don't you feel out of place? No, don't do that. There are some etiquette, there are some conditions, and we must be aware. Because many times we become aggressive. You know, and we quote a few verses, and we say a few Arabic words, and we feel so good about ourselves. And we feel that we know everything, and we're so righteous, and we're so good. No. Remember this etiquette, remember these rules. First of all, the first condition that makes a person qualified to do amr bil ma'roof and nahiyan al-munkar is, first of all, ilm bil shar and ilm bil hal. What does that mean? Knowledge of the deen, of what Islam says about a particular matter, and also awareness of the situation that the person is in. You should be aware of the situation that the person is in. Because we should only tell others to do something that Allah has commanded. If Allah has not commanded something, do we have the right to say, but Allah tells us to do that? No. So for that you have to know the deen. Likewise, you can only stop from something when Allah has stopped people from it. When Allah has made that forbidden. We are no ones to declare something lawful or unlawful. We are no ones to declare something mandatory or forbidden. We don't have that authority. So firstly, what do we need to know? The law, the deen. Allah says in the Qur'an, قُلْ إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ رَبِّيَ الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنْ وَالْإِثْمَ وَالْبَغِي بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ وَأَن تُشْرِكُوا بِاللَّهِ مَا لَمْ يُنَزِّلْ بِهِ سُلْطَانًا وَأَن تَقُولُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Allah has forbidden that you say that which you do not know. Many people they say, oh, but you know, you have to do this. Oh no, but you don't have to do it. They're telling other people to do something that's nowhere found in the deen. Right? Things that people have invented. And they scare you and frighten you. 
Like I remember as a child, somebody told me, if you waste salt on the day of judgment, you'll have to pick it up with your eyelashes. I got terrified. Really, I got terrified. So okay, a child is wasting salt. Okay, but that's not the way you stop them. You'll have to pick it up with your eyelashes. Come on. So we cannot invent things in the deen just to you know, tell people to do good or to stop them from wrong. Be very careful. Okay? Likewise, you know people, they will say, oh, you do this good deed and you'll get so much reward. You know, send this email and you'll get 10,000 good deeds. Forward this email to the best friends that you have on your email list and a miracle will happen. This is not yadru'un ilal khair. You cannot invent good things up yourself. And you cannot invent munkar yourself. No. We're not allowed to do that. So first of all, knowledge. And knowledge of the deen as well as knowledge of the situation that the person is in. So if a person is not aware of the situation that the other person is in, then we might end up offending them. Right? Or we may be making a fool of ourselves. Alright? So for example... It is time for prayer. And someone is not praying. And you tell them, Sister, get up and pray. And she says, I'm not praying. Like she's menstruating, she's not praying. You came, you know, so aggressively, you said, get up and pray. And she says, I'm not praying. Uh, Haven't you made a fool of yourself? Yes. Maybe you've hurt their feelings too. That why are you talking to me in this way? Right? Likewise, a man is walking with a woman and you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. And you tell your brother, go to him and tell him, what is he doing? Have fear of Allah. And he says, my sister. (laughs) My sister. Or your friend is talking to a man and you're like, who are you talking to? My husband. My... uh, you know, brother or whatever. So, if you don't know about the situation that the person is in, either you will end up offending them or you will end up making a fool of yourself. Alright? You have to know the facts. You have to sometimes give the benefit of the doubt. Alright? Don't just assume. The second condition is that stopping the wrong should not lead to Worse or greater wrong. Okay? Meaning, that the purpose of stopping someone from doing something wrong is to make the wrong less. Right? Isn't that so? Why would you stop someone from doing something wrong? So that the wrong is not there anymore. But if stopping them will worsen the situation, then what should you do? Choose the lesser of the two evils and don't stop them. Okay? Like for example, you're meeting someone for the first time ever. Okay? And you see that they are, let's say, smoking. Okay, let's say they're a relative. You've met them for the first time. Or meeting them after 20 years. And they're smoking. Okay? And you don't agree with it at all. And you tell them, please stop this. Please stop this. Will it worsen the situation? In some situations, yes. The situation will get really bad. It may lead to an argument. It may lead to really bad relations between the two of you that they might not ever want to see you again. Correct? So 
If you feel that stopping from the wrong is going to worsen the situation, then what do you have to do? Then you remain silent. And you don't stop them. Someone has a habit of smoking. And let's say they're your spouse or your brother or whatever, your friend. And you say, you know what? I'm going to ruin all their cigarettes. I'm going to throw them away. Every time they're going to purchase them, I'm going to throw them away. What's going to happen? They're going to go buy more. They're going to spend more money. If you stop them from smoking, for example, in some situations it might lead them to doing other drugs. Okay, smoking, it's bad, but it's not as bad as doing some other drugs. Right? So always have farsightedness. Ibn Taymiyyah, one of the scholars, once he was walking by the Tartar, there were some people who had attacked the Muslim empire. And they would come, these people, and they would just cause extreme bloodshed, ruin the houses, kill people. Like They would really cause devastation. And these people were in a way Muslim too. So anyway, these Tartar, they were some a group of them, they were sitting and they were drinking. So Ibn Taymiyyah, he just passed by them. He didn't say anything to them. People who were with him, his students or whoever, they said, how come you didn't stop them? They were doing something wrong. Munkal, alcohol, you should have stopped them. He said, no, it's better if they drink and stay drunk because for some time at least the Muslim will be safe. Because as soon as they get their sanity back, what's going to happen? They're going to start their massacre again. So let them stay drunk for a while. So yes, drinking is bad. But killing, spreading bloodshed is worse. Alright? So you have to know the situation. Likewise, you see that sometimes children, they're wasting time watching television, sitting on the computer, and their parents cannot tolerate that. They tell them, stop this. They say, I'm going to break the television, and they take a baseball bat and they hit it, for example. Then what's going to happen to that kid? He's going to say, fine. I'll go out and hang out with my friends. At least at home you know what he's watching. Or you know that at least he's at home. Once he's out, you don't know where they are, what they're doing. Right? So, yes, what they're doing is wrong, but you have to tolerate it for some time. Likewise, someone is not wearing hijab. Someone is dressed inappropriately. The first thing you do is you stop them. If you stop them, they're never going to listen to you again. They're never going to listen to you again. Many girls, they make this mistake. They get married and when they go meet their in-laws, they tell them, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. You are wrong, you are wrong, you are wrong. Or they go back home from their class and everything is wrong, wrong, wrong. Haram, 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 haram. They become haram police. And people don't even like their presence. They don't even like their presence. What's the better way? Give it some time. At least have a connection with the people. Develop some kind of friendship, some kind of bonding. Come to a level where they will trust you, where they will listen to you, where they will give importance to what you have to say. So come to that level first and then tell them what is right and what is wrong. So sometimes you have to tell them stop wrong immediately and other times you have to defer it. Alright? Like for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was revealing the commands of the sharia, then was the first command, no alcohol, no, no zina? Is that so? No. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that if these commands were given at the beginning then people would say, we're not leaving our zina, we're not leaving our alcohol. We can leave Islam, but not zina, not alcohol. 
But when they became strong in their Islam, then whatever prohibitions came, they were willing to leave them. So much so that if alcohol was in their mouth when they heard that it's forbidden, they spat it out. If they had reserves of alcohol, they threw that away. Who would do that? Someone who would really have strong faith. Someone who really trusts you. So you have to get to that level. And for that, sometimes you have to tolerate the wrong that may be going on in your very own house. That your own spouse may be doing, your own children may be doing, your own family members may be doing, your own parents may be doing. But you have to give time. That if you confront someone, then people feel threatened, they become defensive immediately, they feel as if they have been humiliated, and they will argue and argue, even if they might agree, but they will still argue, just because they didn't like the way that you spoke to them. So, always remember that stopping the wrong should not lead to a greater wrong. But while you are waiting for the right time, right, waiting for the right opportunity, until then, what are you supposed to do? Something wrong is being done in your own house, at your own table. Then at least, dua definitely, know that this is wrong in your heart. The Prophet ﷺ said, if one of you sees an evil, then let him change it with his hand. If he is unable, then let him change it with his tongue, meaning stop verbally at least. And if he is unable to do that, then let him change it with his heart, meaning let him feel in his heart, realize in his heart that this is wrong, this is not right. Meaning still dislike it. Still dislike it. And this is the weakest faith. Then the third condition is that a person knows that his effort will be beneficial, meaning it will be effective. That if he stops from wrong, then the other will listen. Or that if he tells someone to do good, then they will listen. So basically he knows that the one being told will actually listen. Now, for example, you may come across people you know, at a gathering outside, someone who's a Muslim, and let's say they're not wearing hijab or a man who doesn't have a beard, you're not obligated to walk up to strangers and ask them, Akhi, where's your beard? Or Ukhti, where's your hijab? You're not obligated to do that. Because random person, okay Muslim, but just because you're telling them, you think they're going to listen to you? I mean, who are you? They're going to say, excuse me, who are you? Who do you think you are? I don't know, you mind your own business. So you will only tell the one whom you you know, have some a level of conviction that they will actually listen to you. So for example, someone you know, someone who is younger, someone who accepts your authority, you know, so only stop from wrong in a situation like that or advise good in a situation like that. Okay? And if there is a stranger and you feel that what they're doing is absolutely wrong, it's not right at all, or they're depriving themselves of good, then again you can talk to them in a nice way. But be careful. Talk to them in a way that they will actually listen to you. You know, somebody had mentioned to me that a Muslim, they were living with Christian men. They were not married, but they were living together. And they said that somebody whom they met, when that lady found out, they said, I don't think what you're doing is right. You should do istikhara. You know, there's, in Pakistani culture, this is very common. You know, do istikhara. Even if you're doing something wrong, do istikhara. So anyway, they said, do istikhara. And this girl, she thought that, okay, you know, maybe I should. 
And she started praying after that. And she said that since I started praying, I just knew that what I was doing was not right. She said, I walked out of that relationship myself. It was my own decision. And who told her? A stranger. But in a way that was very nice. She didn't say, Haram. Haram. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Astaghfirullah, sister. Not like that. But in a nice way that, you know, perhaps you should think about it. You know, maybe you should ask someone. Many times it will happen that just because you're wearing a hijab, people will ask you questions. So are we doing something right? Are we doing wrong? What are we doing? They ask you for fatwas on spot. So be very careful about how you respond. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَذَكِّرْ إِن نَفَعْتِ الذِّكْرَى So remind if the reminder should benefit. Meaning if the reminder is not going to benefit, then please don't belittle the deen like that. Because when you are telling people do good, do good, do good, and they're not going to listen, then what is being belittled? The deen. That people are being told about the deen and they're not giving any importance to it. And we see that with some people we are very frank. We can say anything to them. If you advise them, they will actually take it the right way. And there are some other people who become defensive before even you say anything. So be careful. Allah says, Udru ila sabil rabbika bil hikmah. With wisdom. Call people to the way of your Lord. How? With wisdom. So these are the three conditions. Then there are some etiquettes. What are the etiquettes? First of all, the etiquette is that the person who is commanding right should be doing it himself as well. And the person who is forbidding from wrong should stay away from that wrong himself as well. Because it is not right that you tell others to do something which you are not doing yourself. Or you stop people from doing something wrong and you're doing it yourself. So for example, a person is engaging in haram money and then he goes on telling people that, oh, don't deal with haram money. If you say it, who's going to listen to you? People are going to laugh. That you have a house and mortgage and you're telling me not to have a house and mortgage. I mean, your actions speak louder than your words. Right? So what's the etiquette? That do good yourself and also tell others. Stop from wrong yourself and also stop others from it. Now there are some things that are a constant struggle. Right? Like for example, sabr. You're constantly striving to be patient. Or for example, khushur in salah. You're constantly striving to develop khushur in your salah. You can never be at the level where you say, you know what, I have a lot of sabr. Or you can never be at that level where you say, now I have khushur in my salah, always. Can you make such a claim ever? No, because it's a constant struggle. Isn't it so? Likewise, don't have jealousy, don't have ill feelings. It's a constant struggle. Every day you have to clean your heart. So does this mean you don't tell other people to have sabr just because you don't have perfect sabr? Yeah? Or you don't tell people to have khushu in salah just because you don't have perfect khushu? No. You will still tell people, you will still remind them because you are striving yourself and you're also encouraging other people to do that too. Okay? So in that, as long as a person is doing it himself, is striving himself, he has the right to tell others. But if a person is putting no effort on his own part, and he's just telling other people, be patient, be patient, forgive, forgive, and his heart is full of grudges himself, and he doesn't pay any attention to forgiving other people, then that is not right. Strive yourself, and also tell others. Likewise, if someone made a mistake, Years and years ago, let's say they 
got involved in haram money. And now they're advising other people that please don't make the mistake that I made. Then do they have the right to do that? Yes, they do. But if a person is very happy, okay with the wrong that he's doing, and he's doing it every day, consciously, and he's telling people, don't do it, then that's not right. Like people are watching television and they tell their children, go away. Right? People are talking about something they shouldn't be talking about, and when others talk about them, they said, stop. That's not right. Because this is something that is khilaful aql, it's illogical. This is something that's khilaful adab, you know, it contradicts proper etiquette with Allah, with the rest of the people. I mean, you're making a fool of yourself, you're making fun of the deen in this way, that you're doing wrong yourself and you're telling other people not to do it. So a person must be careful about this. Then secondly of the etiquette is that a person is gentle in his commanding right and forbidding from wrong. Gentleness. That's the second thing that we must remember when it comes to the etiquettes. And gentleness is a very noble trait by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives what He does not give in its absence. Meaning, when a person is harsh, then Allah does not bless. And when a person is gentle, then Allah blesses. We see that Musa salam was sent to Fir'aun. Fir'aun, the greatest tyrant ever. But what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to Musa? فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا Speak to him a gentle word. Address him in a gentle manner, in a good way. Because when you talk to people in a nice way, then they want to listen. But when you attack them, then they become defensive. And no matter how terrible a person may be, no matter how evil of an act they may be committing, still be gentle with them. Be very gentle with them. You know, we see that once a man asked the Prophet ﷺ permission to fornicate, to commit zina. I mean, isn't that munka? Zina, illegal sexual intercourse, isn't that munka? Of course it's munka. And this person is asking the Prophet ﷺ, please allow me, make an exception for me. Imagine, somebody asks us, I want to do zina. If somebody says that to us, We'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell your mom, you better not see that person ever again. Where's your phone? Where's your Facebook? Give me all your passwords. You know, stop everything. Confine that person to the house. Don't let them see anybody. Is that gentleness? Not at all. Giving them a lecture. You know, slapping them across the face. Which unfortunately is very common in, uh, you know, what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's very common. Isn't it? That a girl even mentions a a boy and... She slapped across her face. So, is that gentleness? Not at all. The Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked by that man, you know what answer the Prophet ﷺ gave him? He said, would you like it if somebody did that with your mom? He said, no way. Would you like it if somebody did that with your sister? Did zina with your sister? No way. Would you like it if somebody did that with so-and-so relative of yours? And the man said, no way. The Prophet ﷺ said, that even other people don't like it. Even other people don't like it. That somebody does zina with their sister, you know, with their cousin, with their relative. Even other people don't like it. And the man said, okay, I won't do it. I won't do it. Imagine, gentleness. Allah blesses through gentleness what He does not give through harshness. So gentleness is something very, very important. 
you know what it is actually when someone is doing something wrong and you stop them they will get defensive or someone is not doing something right and you tell them again they will get defensive doesn't it happen that you're cooking and if somebody tells you did you do this you're like yeah <laughs> and you're like you know what you show them that face that get out of the kitchen right you don't like it if people are criticizing you even in a nice way sometimes so that's why gentleness is even more important that people are not going to like what you're saying anyway they're going to feel embarrassed they're not going to like it anyway so please make it easier for people if you really want them to do good then make it easier for them to do it if you really want them to stop wrong then you make it easier for them all right then another important etiquette the third one is that a person is patient when he suffers other hurt in this way when he faces arguments and you know opposition or dispute have patience be calm be tolerant have self control because the other person may become aggressive even you didn't intend any harm but the other person got so offended that you feel horrible it may happen right so at that time what do you need sabr Luqman, he advised his son, يَا بُنَيَّ أَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ وَأْمُرْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَانْهَا عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَاصْبِرْ عَلَى مَا أَصَابَكَ That, O my son, enjoin what is right, forbid what is wrong, and be patient over what befalls you. Somebody was very good to you, but the moment you spoke about Qur'an, they became very offended. Right? Many times it happens that as we're learning the deen, you know, we want to share with other people, but... The smallest conversation, it just puts other people off. The smallest mention, they just get so offended. Then what do you need? Sabr at that time. Courage, right? That you don't feel so bad that you're depressed for the next few days and you're like, never again am I talking. Never again am I going to tell anybody. Have sabr. Be patient. It's for greater good that you have to tell people to do right and you have to forbid them from wrong. It's going to take time, but have sabr. All the prophets of Allah, they called to goodness, but did they not suffer? Yes. What was the advice that they were given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? To have sabr. فَاصْبِرْ كَمَا صَبَرَ أُلُوا الْعَزْمِ مِنَ الرُّسُلِ The Prophet ﷺ was told, be patient just as the ulul azm of the prophets were patient, meaning those who have a lot of determination. Nuh alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, all of these prophets, they were very determined. Muhammad ﷺ also very determined. So be patient. If you want to walk on the path of the prophets, then you have to have sabr. You have to have sabr. Sabr over the criticism of people, you know, their rejection, sometimes unexpected, you know, response that may hurt your feelings. Really, it may hurt your feelings really badly. Has it ever happened to you that you've been hurt because of what people have said? That you said something and you did not mean to hurt anyone, you did not mean to offend anyone, but they got so angry that they just went on against you. I remember once I somewhere to pray salah for taraweeh and there was a huge gap between two people. And I felt I could easily stand there and this is what you know we have been told to do, fill up the gaps. So... I didn't have to squeeze in myself or hurt anybody or, you know, take any of their space. I just easily went and stood between them and I prayed along with them. And after the salah, la ilaha illallah, 
I was being lectured and yelled at in public. Yelled at. And I was in tears, basically. I just couldn't help myself. Everybody was just looking at what happened. And this woman is going on and on and on. And she picked up her prayer very angrily and just walked away uh, somewhere else. And I was just in shock. And I just went towards the back, you know, to hold back my tears and everything. And I met my group in charge. I was doing the course at that time. She happened to be there as well. And when she saw me, she came up to me and I told her what had happened. And we had just read Surah Yasin at that time. We had learned about the story of the man who, you know, was telling his people to accept what the messengers were teaching them, but they actually killed that man. And when they killed that man, even after his death, he said, Ya layta qawmi ya'lamun. I wish my people knew. And she reminded me of that, that don't give up, be patient. And just because you've been embarrassed once doesn't mean you don't do good again. You still have to do it. So it's very, very important to have patience because if you start taking the criticism of people to heart, then you can't do anything. You can't do anything. It has happened with me a number of times. You know, I walk out of class and somebody just comes and says, what did you say? How could you do that? And I've been lectured. I've been humiliated, insulted. And it happens not just with me, with many people. You know, people who give khutbahs or lectures or whatever, and they are criticized like anything. Torn apart. Emails are sent. Fiery emails. That if you read them once, even you're shaken up. Please don't read it again. It will shatter your confidence. And even if you do read it, still, don't let it disturb you. Know that Allah has heard. This is what I suffer in His path, and He will reward and remember what the Prophet ﷺ went through. Remember what he went through. His own uncle. You know the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca at the time of Hajj, as pilgrims would come in, he would go to different different people telling them about the Tawheed, about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would say, Ya ayyuhal nas, qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. O people, say la ilaha illallah and you'll be successful. And his own uncle Abu Lahab would be walking right behind him, right behind him, insulting him insulting him, embarrassing him. So, this will happen. But you need sabr. Don't fear people. And again, if you wish well for people, then you will continue. So sabr is also very, very important. And we see that this work, you know, a person might say, so many rules, so many etiquette. Why bother? Let people live the way they want. Mind your own business. But then you will deprive yourself of something very, very great. Allah says, وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Those who command right, those who forbid wrong, call to good, they are successful. Which means if someone does not call to good, does not command right, does not forbid what is wrong, then will he be successful? No. If we want to be successful in this world, in the hereafter, then we have to do this. The Prophet ﷺ said, By he in whose hand is my soul, you will enjoin righteousness and forbid evil. Or Allah shall send down a punishment from him to you, then you will supplicate to him, but he will not accept your supplication. A punishment Allah will send on you, such that you will beg Allah, but he will not listen to you. You will pray, but He will not respond. Do we ever feel like that? That we're making du'as, but they're not being answered? 
So we need to check ourselves that perhaps we have some knowledge, we know, but we're not telling people. We're not benefiting humanity, we're not benefiting mankind. You know, this is something that we cannot leave. We have to do it. Therefore, we have to be patient. We have to know about the rules and etiquettes. We have to educate ourselves. So to summarize, there are three conditions and three etiquettes. What are the three conditions? First of all, knowledge and awareness of the deen as well as the situation of the person. Secondly, that stopping the wrong will not lead to a greater wrong. Thirdly, that you know that your efforts will actually bring some benefit, meaning the person will listen. There is a high chance. I mean, you don't know about the future. You think that something might happen, but the exact opposite happens. But you can guess to the best of your knowledge. You have some feeling at least that perhaps she will listen or he won't listen. I remember at school once, it was time for Maghrib, right? And um, I got up to pray and there were other people and I got up and prayed. They were all Muslim. This was in a Muslim country, right? So they're like, no, no, we don't pray. As people say, no, no, are you kidding me? I'm going to pray. So I said, why not? They're like, uh, I don't have wudu. I'm like, uh, see that door? Washu. So get up and do wudu. They're like, um, don't remember how to do it. I'm like, I'll remind you. So I knew that person would listen to me. So I kept telling them in a nice way until they actually did wudu, folded up their pants and stood and prayed. Okay? And they didn't remember how to pray. I told them three rakat, me and a couple of friends. So this was in school a long time ago. So anyway, I got that person to pray. Alhamdulillah. But when the news spread that so-and-so prayed, there were some other people who were like, yeah, she can never make me pray. I'm like, I'm not going to bother telling you. Right? So some people will listen to you. Others won't. So those who will listen, at least tell them. Those who won't, okay. You stay away. Then three etiquettes, what are they, first of all? Three etiquettes, first of all, do it yourself too. And stop yourself from wrong as well. Second etiquette? Gentleness. And the third etiquette? Be patient. Have sabr. Then we also learn in these ayat about the prohibition of tafarruq, where Allah says, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا People differ from one another because of various reasons. But remember, there are mainly five things that cause people to differ. First of all, their knowledge. Secondly, their hifs, meaning how much they remember. Thirdly, their fahm, their comprehension. Fourthly, their iman, the level of their faith. And fifth, their action, the kind of actions that they're doing. These five things cause differences in the sense that because people differ from each other in these five things inevitably they will be different it's the same text two people read it they understand differently it's the same quran two people memorize it but they don't remember all of it at the same time one person remembers an ayah and the other doesn't does it happen to you does it happen to you that for example, a friend of yours remembers an ayah that we read in Surah Baqarah and you're like, oh, I don't remember, am I really that bad? You're a human being. You're bound to forget, right? It happens. So people differ. So differences will exist, but still hearts should be together. 
The five things, knowledge, memory, comprehension, iman, and actions. Then we also learn that leaving amr bil ma'roof and nahiyan al-munkar, meaning when a people don't do this, when people don't command that which is right, don't forbid that which is wrong, then what does this lead to? Division. This is why Allah says, don't be like those who do tafarruq. What's the connection between this and amr bil ma'roof? That when you will not command that which is right, it will inevitably lead to division. Why? How? Because when you remind people of that which is right and they do it, when you stop people from wrong and they stop from it, then everybody is on the same page. Isn't it so? And if people are not on the haq, they are not on the truth, then what are they following? Their own desires. And everyone's desires, everyone's likes and dislikes are different. So it will inevitably lead to differences. One person believes this way, the other person believes in that way. One person behaves like this, the other behaves like that. There will be differences. So for the sake of unity, what is necessary? Amr bil ma'roof and nahi anil munkar. Yad'una ilal khayr. So for example, in the same household, if one sibling is being very rude towards the parents, What's the obligation of the other siblings? Nahiyan al-Munkar, right? Stop him. Because if you don't stop him, what is that going to lead to? Division in the family. Isn't that so? If one sibling does not even talk to the other, then what's the obligation of the parents? To stop this difference, to stop this argument. Because if you don't stop them, it's going to lead to the breaking of the family. So when we don't do Amr bin Ma'roof, when we don't do Nahir al-Munkar, we are heading towards division. We are heading towards disunity. In other words, we are heading towards our own destruction. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a confidence to act on good ourselves and also tell others about it. To stop from wrong ourselves and also stop others from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.